Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, 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 it's Holly Rustic here at Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. And I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. And before we get started today, I just want to let you guys know we are on our 200th episode today. Woo! (laughs) So thank you so much. I just want to give a shout out to everyone who is a devout podcast listener to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. You all are absolutely amazing. You are change makers in your community and the world. And by listening to this podcast every week about how to increase abundance for the world, for positive change in the world, you guys are a part of that, absolutely. So thank you um, for listening to this show because we won't have a show without you. Really honor you guys in our celebration this week of our 200th podcast episode. And remember, um, if you want to join our Grant Writing and Funding Hub Haven, which is completely free, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com. I have a lot of, lot of goodies for you. Um, a lot of things I mentioned on the podcast are there. I keep adding things to um, that whole hub so you can get uh, grant writing resources, nonprofit resources, and freelance grant writing resor- resources. So those are all free. Definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com. Um, if you're a gr- if you're one of those listeners who's been listening forever (laughs) to the show, you're definitely going to want to have those resources that you can touch as well. But thank you so much. And I'm glad that you're celebrating with me today. And I have a great guest on the show today to help us celebrate our 200th episode. All right, guys. So, oh my gosh, I have a special guest on the show today, Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good. And she is amazing. You are absolutely going to love this podcast. Um, She really talks about, and what I love about Mandy is she's been writing grants for a little over two decades. She has had her online business up and going since 2009. She's also transitioned from business to business as far as like niche to niche within the nonprofit realm. And she also, with her husband, owns um, for-profit businesses. So really cool. She is all the way from uh, North Carolina and she's amazing. So you're really going to love this. We're going to talk about uh, grant writers and nonprofit consultants. So if you're a freelancer out there and you don't know what to charge, you don't think that uh, nonprofits can even pay you, or you're not sure how to actually price your services or what services to do, oh my goodness, Mandy's got some amazing gold nuggets for you today. So you're definitely going to want to tune in. So before I get into her bio here, because I want you to hear about all the wonderfuls that she does, um, I want to also let you know that I'm going to be doing a training um, as well with Mandy in January. So if you would like to join on January 12th, um, you are absolutely going to love it. We're going to actually talk about nonprofit wellness. So um, I'm going to go over I, one of my products I have is a nonprofit wellness audit, which is actually one of my most popular. And I usually only have it for a bonus when people buy my one of my signature courses, um, specifically the freelance grant writer course. However, I'm going to give a uh, training on how to do a nonprofit wellness audit. So this is great for you if you are a nonprofit or if you want to work with nonprofits and you really want to make sure that you, you know, what you have in store already is really transparent, it lends credibility, et cetera, for your nonprofit. There are a lot of red flags that come up when funding sources are thinking about giving you grants, right? If you ask for a grant, you know, sometimes they just don't look at your application. They're actually going to look at other places to see about your nonprofit to make sure that there's transparency about your fiscal um, management as well as credibility about your board directors, etc. 
Um, oftentimes, grant applications will also require you to submit a strategic plan, etc. So the nonprofit wellness audit, what it does is it actually is a checklist of all the information and documents that you're going to need to see how well your nonprofit uh, rates on the scale of wellness. Um, and that's wellness to get funding, right? And then it goes through each item to really talk about um, how you can improve that credibility. All of your T's crossed, all of your I's dotted, all of the things taken care of. So you have credibility, transparency, and you know, really you've built a solid foundation to actually go out, get, and manage funding. So this is a great tool for onboarding. So if you're a grant writer, a nonprofit consultant, if you're onboarding clients, this is like step one that you can do with them. However, um, it, it can also be something that, you know, maybe you're a nonprofit and you want this done at annual board retreats, right? You have a new board of directors coming on, etc. And you really want to take a look and dive deep into your nonprofit. So anyways, I'm going to be giving a, a synopsis of this at this free training once again on January 12th. So if you want to join that, um, and I'll be doing that with Mandy Pierce. So super excited to join up with Funding for Good to offer this. So definitely go over to the show notes and grab the link to register. So jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 200. That's right. Once again, it's our two. 100th episode. Super excited. So definitely um, if you want to join the upcoming training and you just want to get more information on all of the show notes um, from today, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 200. And um, just as a reminder too, we will actually be um, offline for a couple of weeks in... December and the first week of Jan. So um, everyone have a very Merry Christmas. Um, you know, we're public, we're actually publishing this podcast before Christmas of 2021. So I know a lot of you folks come in and listen to it at different times throughout the years. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know, if you do listen to this podcast every single week, uh, know that we will not be having a podcast until the second week of January. Um, so definitely um, we're taking a little break as we encourage you to do as well to celebrate the holidays with your family and friends. All right, folks, so let's get into it today. Mandy Pierce, she founded her flagship company, Funding for Good, in 2009, and she has a mission to equip organizations with all of the skills and tools needed to become successful and sustainable. We talk a lot about sustainability today as well. Wink, wink. Okay. She continues to enjoy evolving her company to meet the changing demands of the nonprofit world. And for over two decades, Mandy and her team of experts have shared their proficiency in fundraising through executive coaching, strategic and development planning, seminars, and specialized consulting programs. And we're going to talk about some of these today and how you might consider implementing some of these services into your business as well. And as mentioned, Mandy lives in Hickory, North Carolina with her husband, Ricardo, and her two fur babies, Dolly and Max. So I definitely brought out the dogs today. I got a, a shirt I just love that has little dogs on it. So I told Mandy, I said, hey, I wore my shirt for you. I got the dogs out. <laughs> and you might hear her fur babies in the background too today when I said, that's fine. Bring your fur babies on. So um, if you want to check out the video as well, um, you can definitely check out our YouTube channel, Grant Writing and Funding. All right, guys, so let's get into it because you are definitely going to want to hear all what Mandy has to say today. Um, so definitely, once again, get to the show notes, register for that free webinar coming up January 12th, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 200. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I'm so excited about today's show. I have Mandy online with me. How are you doing, Mandy? I'm great, thank you. Awesome. So Mandy Pierce, she is definitely somebody out there in the grant writing and funding world that has taken it by storm for a long time now. So like in 2009, you guys got up and running 
online funding for good, writing, strategic planning, development, grant research, etc. Like just so much good. And I love that. So we actually met Mandy. So um, a while ago, we did something together with Sarah Olivieri. So if you guys are familiar with the grant writing and funding podcast, Sarah's also been on the show with Pivot Ground. And she was doing um, kind of a great thing for fundraising as well for folks out there. And so we were doing something collaborating in there. And then we we've connected again in the last year. So it's been a real treat to have you finally on the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. <laughs> so welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. And Mandy, you're all the way over in North Carolina, right? I am. Totally different time zones. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So um, as we get started then today, so, uh, you know, I just want to hear a little bit about, you've been doing this since 2009 um, online, which is fantastic, right? Getting your business online and going and looking at, but you've been doing this work for a lot longer than that, working with nonprofits, doing strategic planning, doing different things with grant writing, fundraising, development, et cetera. And can you just kind of tell us what got you interested and started in this whole nonprofit arena? Sure. So I started the nonprofit world in 1997 when I was uh, working with the American Lung Association before they closed a lot of their offices in North Carolina. And my executive director at the time put a piece of paper on my desk and asked me to fill it out. I did not know what it was, but it was a grant. And we got free stuff after that, which was super awesome for me. And I was in love. So I was like, I got to learn more about this process, this thing. I liked everything from getting free stuff for the 5K goodie bags to donations to cash and everything else. And uh, that's where my career got started. And then I actually started working for the American Lung Association at a later point in Charlotte um, after I graduated. And it pretty much just went from there. I've only ever had one for-profit job other than my own business. And other than that, I've always worked in nonprofits in the world of development, I've either been a development director or, no, I've always been a development director. That's always been my title at every job I've had in the nonprofit world. And I uh, started doing grant writing on the side in, gosh, 2002, 2001-ish, and um, charged, but not formal business, and then started formal business in 2009, just focused on grants. It was called Grant Cruise, Consultation Research Education and Writing Services. Oh, and then, for yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. And then as we started growing, we merged over to funding for good and we did more strategic work, more foundational work with boards and staff and coaching and consulting. And we still do grant grant services, but we're not anybody's grant writer full time anymore. Um, we have one retainer client that's a large hospital system. But other than that, we try to teach people and provide services that expedite their processes um, around that. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. I love, I love your website too. It's really well done. I was like, Thank you. At it. yeah, I was like, oh, this is really nice how it's, it's really easy flow laid out really. Um, you know, I love that you have a little welcome video on there. People can really see what you're about. So you guys definitely want to check out funding for good.org. <laughs> so you can definitely you. check that out. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today. I know we were, we've been talking a bit about the other side of um, the whole grant writing. So we're looking at nonprofits, of course. We serve nonprofits. Both of us do. Uh, we also serve uh, consultants. So people who are looking at becoming a grant writer or a nonprofit consultant, right, and running a business and I know you have a ton of information on that as well and really getting you know a lot of you've been working with people for a long time on that and running a successful business or businesses like you said as you started off in one area and then kind of grew, you grew your business not kind of you actually grew your business quite a bit and were able to you know look at it from a, a different kind of operating stance so I wanted to really talk and you know to you about that as we do have a lot of people who are aspiring to be freelancers or nonprofit consultants that listen in and tune in on the podcast and YouTube uh, uh, channel. And they always, I always hear this over and over again. How much do I charge Holly? What do I, how, much do I, how do I get my services out there? Right. Who's going to actually pay for them. And you and I were talking about this and you're like, Oh yeah, I got a lot of information on that. So I really wanted you to share that value with people. Cause I know that's so important. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. Right. And they get paralyzed and moving forward in their business. And they're like, this just didn't work out. It's not for me. And they kind of throw the towel in before they even start. So I would love for you to share some expertise on that. A couple of things that I've learned from the clients that I've worked with, with coaching is most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, 
folks have come from working in the nonprofit world to wanting to be a consultant because that's where they learned all their skills, right? And that seems pretty natural transition. Um, one of the mindsets that I run into a lot is the we don't have the money to pay. So when they start their business, they're like, oh, they're not going to be able to pay me. Hmm. And I always try to coach people through they're not your ideal clients if they can't pay your fee, right? Hmm. And there are services that you can offer and there are tools that you can provide people that aren't able to pay for your level of services yet. And that's okay. You have a YouTube channel, you have a podcast, you have blogs on your website, you have things where people can go and access them for free and learn. Right. And people who can afford you have a different opportunity for a different level of service interaction with you as, as a consultant and it's really hard for people to understand that. And I try to tell people, it's like someone saying, people always used to email me and say, hey, I want to come to that thing you're doing, but I don't have any money. Can I come anyway? Do you have a scholarship? Do you have a blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. We don't have that available. If I went to a car dealership and said, I really want a Range Rover, but I only have the money to buy a Pinto. Can I have the Range Rover anyway? No, that's not how it works. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, to work for what that thing is you want. But as a consultant, you have to know what you're worth. And yeah. you have to know who is your ideal client. Are you targeting those people that can't pay you? Because if so, that's a very different business model than I really want to grow as a business and I want to help people create impact in their communities. So that was the first mindset I really had to get people to think through. <clears throat> the second mindset is when you're asking for a salary and you're working for a nonprofit, there are some very specific ranges based on where you are and what you're doing. If you're executive director, if you're a COO, if you're a development director, whatever, and you can't just willy nilly be like, Hey, I've been making $35,000 my whole career. Now I want to make a hundred, right? It just doesn't work that way. But as a consultant, you can step back and say, what do I need to make to pay my bills? What do I want to make to provide a certain life for myself and my family? And how am I going to do that? What services am I going to provide? How much am I going to charge for those services? How many of those services do I need to book a month and a year and, and create a business plan, right? That's strategic planning in the nonprofit world, business plan in the for-profit world. Same mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? So helping people think through an, an hourly fee, a project-based fee, uh, an annual fee split up into months. You know, there's a lot of different ways to price your services. I had a client recently who went through a boot camp with me and um, I said, well, how much do you charge an hour right now? They had just started their consulting business mm -hmm. and they said $35 an hour. I was like, okay, so we have a little work to do. We can work from there. Right. And so we, we've talked by the end of their 60 days with me, they had gone from 35 to 50 to hundred. They were comfortable with hundred at that point. Mm. And they had the value, the skills, experience, the expertise to offer that. And, and, and it was reasonable, right? Mm. I had another client who started at, she hoped she could do 50. By the end of her 60 days, she still felt like she could probably do 50. <laughs> so <clears throat> everybody gets there at a different time. But what I will tell you is that my business partner, Marie, will not mind me using her as an example. We've been working together for over 15 years and she has bleeding heart. I want to do everything for everybody for free. That's just her personality. That's how she's been in the nonprofit world her whole life. And she's worked for nonprofits that didn't have a lot of resources. It wasn't until two years ago that she finally got comfortable charging what her skill set is actually worth. Now, mind you, she doesn't have a choice because I'm the one charging because it's my business, but she's finally comfortable with it, right? And now she sees, oh my gosh, I don't have to take 12 clients doing this one thing a month. I can take this one client doing this one thing a month and I can pay for my bills and my family's medical care and put food on the table and not have to stress out about it or work hundred hours a week. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge mindset shift for her. And it has made her more comfortable in the work she's doing and built her confidence up as a consultant and really helped the business overall. So there's a lot of different types of people that get into consulting. Usually I don't see people coming from the for-profit world to consult. I see people coming from the for-profit world to be an executive director or to start a nonprofit, which is a whole nother issue there. Right. Um, what, are you, what are you usually seeing as far as yeah. where people start with their pricing 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a lot the same, you know, it's, it's that, Oh, $25 an hour. Cause what they look at, I think originally, like you said, if they're coming from a salary job, they're looking at um, what did I make at that nonprofit? What was my hourly rate? And they forget like, well, you still have to, you know, you have to pay your FICA, you have to pay your fringe benefits. Like you said, like health insurance, um, you know, there's, you have to, there's a lot of costs, right? You have to have your own space to work out of. You you have to pay for your computer if it breaks the tech. Like, and all the technology that goes with it. So much, right? Your website, like there's so much that goes in <laughs> and should you want your business license, right? All of the things that, uh, you know, it's not considered, right? And then, so if you say, well, I was making $20 an hour, say at a nonprofit or $25 an hour, and now, ooh, a stretch to 35, that sounds like a lot. But when you add in all of those things, it's like, actually, and I always tell, yeah, it's less. And I always tell them, think of it, because they're thinking about it. And I think in a weird way from the like executive director or board of directors point of view, like, oh, that's more than we would pay to hire someone. Why would we pay that? I say, no, 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 look at it from this position. They don't have to have continual cash flow forever for an employee and pay for all of the things that an employee entails and just the responsibility yeah. of like managing someone. <laughs> so, like, it's outsourcing. You don't have to train yeah. someone. You don't yeah. have to pay HR to deal with all of that. You literally, you're outsourcing for a particular task or project. And when that task or project is done, your outsourcing is done. If, yeah. you're, if you're hiring some consultant to come in for education, then when they're done educating your staff, now you have something that's left behind, but you're not continuing to pay that person. Yeah. And that is a huge thing people don't understand. Outsourcing, <clears throat> what I like to tell people is, as an organization, we don't want you to depend on us. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not my goal as a consultant. My goal as a consultant is to, to provide you with the services and the education you need so that you can be self-sufficient. My husband has a lawn care business and a woodworking business. And I want clients who know how to mow their grass and can mow their grass if they want to or need to, but ultimately have decided I would rather spend those hours doing something else. I'm going to outsource that thing, right? I feel the same way about all my nonprofit clients. I want you to know how to grant write, but if you choose that your time is better spent doing anything else, making better money, um, bringing in dollars, cultivating major donors, like whatever that thing is that you cannot outsource, mm-hmm. outsource the grant writing and don't feel bad about it because at least you know the skills so you can supervise the person doing it. And make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? And that's where I want to be. I want to to give you everything you need from me as a consultant. And then if you need me and you choose to keep working with me, great. But if you don't, then mm, I feel good that you can do it on your own. And that's what I think a lot of times I had a a coaching client just last month who who basically said, I've had the same clients for seven years. And I'm like, do you want to work? Do you want to work with the same people for the next seven years? (laughs) Right. Max is like, don't do it. Um, Like, is that your goal? Or do you want to work with more people? Because they came to me because they wanted to grow their client base. Well, Mm -hmm. if you want to grow your client base, then you have to, you either have to end relationships on a good note with the people you're working with or increase how much they're paying so that you can continue working with them at the level you want to get paid or you know, some combination and we figured out the combination and they felt so good about it. They're like, now I'm going to get paid what I'm worth. Mm -hmm. And if these people want to keep working with me, they can, and it's not a problem. I figured out a way to offer that for them and I can get new clients. I love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's why I recently had someone and they, they came to me and they said, Holly, I really want to start my own freelance grant writing company. I want to, you know, be doing this, but I've been working with this nonprofit for so long. I'm a part of it. They depend on me. It's going to be really hard to leave. Like, how do I, how do I do that? I don't want to leave them high and dry. And I told her, I said, just have a conversation with them. You're ready to do this, but you can take them on as a client. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can Mm -hmm. still help them, but in a different way. And then you're not bogged down maybe with the 30% 30% of admin that you're doing and the other things that really aren't leading maybe as much income and revenue to that nonprofit than if you just focused on the grant writing or donor development or whatever specialty you want to focus on. Right. So yeah, yeah. like you said, it's like that, like outsourcing to a specialist is so much better than sometimes outsourcing to a generalist who you have to train in every little thing, because 
say if admin or accounting or whatever, isn't their jam and they're having to do it all. And then, you know, you're not really seeing the high results maybe that you want to. So nonprofits, yep. not just for-profit businesses, but nonprofits also think of those things or they should. Right? So Exactly. Exactly. They should. And that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with. It's like, but I don't think I can charge them project-based fees because I'm only going to do four hours worth of work. And I'm like, ah. yes. Have you ever had a plumber come to your house? Mm-hmm. They're not charging you for the amount of time they're there. They're charging you for the knowledge they have to fix that thing quickly. You're going to, they're going to pay a hundred bucks to get a leaky pipe fixed. It doesn't matter if it takes 10 minutes or 10 hours, you want your leaky pipe fixed, right? So it's the same. They're paying you for your skills and your knowledge and the results you can bring them. You cannot think about, but I only spent this much time doing it because you've spent years and years cultivating the ability to do that thing in an hour or less, right? And that is a huge mindset that most people have a very hard time getting over. Yes. Oh, that's the whole thing, right? The hourly and the project base. And this this can be tricky because in the beginning, you might way undercharge that project base because you are learning more. It is going to take you a lot more time, right? So I always tell them, even if you're going to do project base, you know, track your hours. You need to figure out for you. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) You need to know. Right. So then when you make that project price, even say if $3,000 sounds like a lot to you to work on a project, but then if you add up all your hours, then you're really going to see, Oh, actually that's not that much. Right. So it's, it's a nice way. But then I say, but you can't just always stay hourly because as you get better, your systems grow, right. Then it's going to take you less time. So should it take you less time? Like you said, with the more experience that you bring to the table, should you charge less than no. Right. So it's understanding that kind of that shift. So do you see that kind of shift with hourly and then the, the package and how do you, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. as through that transition, like how do you kind of approach that? Yeah. Well, and for, so we did hourly very, very short period of time as I learned some of those things and very quickly switched over to project-based. I don't do anything hourly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if you book an on-demand consultation on our website, it's either one hour or two hours, but it clearly says up to one hour or up to two hours because I've had people get on there before and talk for like 30 minutes and they're like, I can't think of anything else. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And they're like, when can we do our next 30 minutes? I'm like, no, no, this mm-hmm. is for up to 30 minutes. You know, <laughs> like you have to be right now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you, you got one or the other, but we're not like piecemealing this. Right. Um, The only thing that our company still does that could be considered hourly is when we do state or federal grants, um, because they're so enormous, this is how we do it. And I've always found people to think it's fair. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts, but we have enough experience now to sit down and someone will send us an RFP. We charge for the review of the RFP, come up with our initial list of questions and have a consultation with that client and say, hey. So answer these questions for us. Do you have this, 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 whatever. And then we determine, okay, what are we going to have to create? What's already in existence? What, how long do we feel like this is going to take us based on their resources, what they already have in place and the people we're going to be working with. And then I will sit down and say in my head, okay, I think this is going to take 40 hours, whatever, 30 hours, 20 hours. And we charge $200 an hour. That's our fee for federal grants. And so then I go back to them and say, all right, this is your fee. We're estimating it's going to be a $10,000 project, and this is how it works. You pay 50% up front. We actually do track our hours, and if it takes us less time than we think, if it's less than 40 hours, your second invoice will be the reflection of the actual time it took. If it takes us the exact amount of time, we'll bill you for the rest, and if it takes us more time, I'm still only going to bill you for what I projected. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think it's fair to tell a client... I need you to have $10,000 set aside for this, but it's actually going to take me longer. That's, that's up to me as a professional doing this as long as I've been doing it. And I would suck that up. So um, I don't have clients that have an issue with that. I think everyone thinks that's fair and they know kind of like what they're looking at going into it because federal grants, as you know, can be a nightmare. So when you get in there, a lot of times there's stuff they're not prepared for. And we've done it long enough now to kind of know we need some extra time for this or that or whatever. Um, But that's literally the only thing that we do hourly anymore. Everything else is, we do grant research and it's a flat rate. And if it takes us two hours to do it, great. It's still the same rate. But if it takes us 20 hours to do it, it's still the same rate. 
yeah. learning experience. Yeah. And then you do it so often that you know about yes. how long this takes. Yeah. I like that on your federal grant. And that's, I do do a lot of, I have done a lot of federal grant writing and it is a bear. It's a monster and it can be it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a, a, you know, paradise too, when those monies come in, but it's like, um, it, I like how you're going about it with, the nonprofit itself, because that's really important, right? And uh, so understanding where they're at, because some nonprofit could, you know, they could have everything in place already. They could have, oh yeah, we already have, you know, we're going to draft the letters of support or the MOUs. We're going to do all that. We have templates, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, and then you could work with another one that's like, what, what's that? (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, (laughs) yes. So you're like, oh, I'll be writing that. <clears throat> so it does, it will take a different amount of time based on where they're at. And I kind of went about that too, as far as federal grants, that's how you're going to go. It's like a starting rate, just in general to to vet organizations. I'll be like the federal grants at the very minimum, you know, they start at 6k, right. You know what I mean? And then yes. about like, just like, if you're even going to have a conversation, <laughs> I know, right. We always, well, this came up in a blog or a chat room yesterday. I can't even remember where I saw it. It was probably on LinkedIn. Someone was talking about initial hours that they spend consulting folks. Oh, I know where it was. It's a new person signing up for something I'm doing. And um, they said, I spend hours cultivating a relationship or consulting with someone before they hire me. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why do you do that? I don't understand. So like back in the day, you know, we used to have sign up for a free consultation. And we would spend 30 minutes on, uh, you might've said that too. You spend 30 minutes on a, a call with somebody and then they don't book you. And I'm like, oh, I got real tired of that a couple of years ago. And I said, no, you know, if you sign this form and fill out all these questions for me and you feel, and I feel like it's something legit, we'll hop on a free 15 minute call and we'll explore that. But it's specifically for people who feel like they may want to work with our company, not just, Hey, I want to chit chat with Mandy today, because that's what a lot of those calls turned into, you know? So now we charge consultations. Mm -hmm. And if you want to book a consultation with us, that is fine. We are happy to do a consultation and you're under no obligation to ever hire us as a company. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the exact same amazing things I would tell somebody that was definitely going to be a client. And it's cool if you choose to work with someone else or choose not to do anything about it at all. But I'm getting paid for my time. And what I found as a consultant for me is I was less angry about those phone calls. (laughs) Yes, yes. I would, yeah, I mean, I get on a call with somebody that was free and I would just be so annoyed. I'd be like, yeah. oh my God, this is not going to turn into a client. I'm wasting my time. But now I don't care what you ask me. If you want to pay for my time, you can ask me why the sky is blue and I will talk to you about it. Yes. Down with yeah, it. I, I totally agree. And that's, I, I, that's what I said. I talked to my friend about it. I was getting so frustrated. She said, oh, I do services called pick my brain because a lot of people just say, no, 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 I don't want a coaching call. I just want to pick your brain, Michelle. So she's like, you should do that, Holly. So that's what I started doing. And it yes. saved my life. Like, I can't tell you before it was like, you know, people all oh, buy you a coffee or whatever. I go to the coffee oh shop. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> I guess I t- can we take you to lunch? Yes, you absolutely can. But it's still going to be a consultation fee on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to talk with you at lunch about it or talk to you on the phone about it. Either way, I'm good. Because it's your time. And I think that's too, it helped vet out a lot of people that were not becoming leads, right. That just wanted free information. I'm like, if you want free information, listen to the podcast, right. But not my time if you want that. And then another thing I like to do as well is, um, and then I got this tip from my lawyer friend, right, Vanessa, and she, um, she said, oh, well, lawyers do this all the time, Holly. She's like, just have them pay for your consultation. And if they book you, you can always roll that price into the, the contract as well. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So that's what I started doing, too. So if they do book me, I can roll that price in because then I'm like, OK, at least that was a lead going somewhere. Right. So sure. so there's there's different ways you can do it to make yourself feel good about showing up, like you said, too, and not getting irritated. And, you know, even through Facebook and stuff, people message me and I'm like, sure, you can book me here. And I'll just, I just take them right to my Calendly registration. Oh yeah. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and sometimes people reach out to me on LinkedIn, which I love. I get a lot of good traffic from LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, I got rid of our Facebook page because it, I like literally saw no difference at all when we had it or when we didn't. Um, it was just extra work for my, for my virtual assistant. Um, so I get a lot of emails and if people can articulate to me what it is they want to talk about or how they want to partner or like when you reached out to me last year about doing a webinar thing together, 
you're super articulate. You told me who you were and what you wanted to do. We had some rapport. I asked you some questions, figured out it wasn't a great fit last year, but obviously I kept your information. I was like, you want me to reach out to her again this year because now it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that with people that are potential clients or nonprofits or whatever as well. People do reach out to me with legit stuff. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I reply to every single email I get all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Like I, if you email me, I will reply. Even if it's to say, I'm so sorry, we don't do work in Africa. Right. right. I mean, I will reply to you. Um, but it just that's a, do it. That's amazing by the way. Cause I know how email can bog. You oh down. yeah. No, no, no. I reply. I had a webinar, um, with Foundant a couple of years ago. And we had an incredible number of questions. I mean, hundreds. It was on grant, it was just basics, grant writing 101. And we, like, I literally answer every question that comes into me on a webinar all the time. And if I don't, I reply to them via email. Like, I'm always like, please send me the list of questions that get answered. I'm gonna reply to everybody. I had over a hundred emails to reply to at the end of that webinar. It was ridiculous, but I did. I sat down and I copied the email addresses and wrote every single person and answered their question, like fully, whatever the question was. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of being a, <clears throat> a value added consultant. Yes. If someone comes to you and pays for a service, whether it's a webinar or even if it's a free webinar, if you're offering it and you're saying there will be a time for Q and A, please ask your questions, blah, blah, blah. They're coming because they want to get your expertise. And if you do not answer all the questions or you skip things that you don't feel are important and you don't address them, I think that that is crappy as a consultant. And I've been on other consultants webinars and I'm like, what the hey dizzle? I literally sat through 45 minutes of this and you're not gonna answer my question. It makes me so mad. Yes. So I think that that's very important. I I think so too, because they're hanging out. They're like, when is my question next? And and then I always get so happy when they answer it and they're like, Hey, Holly. <laughs> yes, <Yep>. exactly. <laughs> even if you don't answer it out loud, yeah. even if yeah. you are answering it and typing it, I think it's very important for people to know that you are responding to them as an individual who has signed up to follow you or participate in something that you're offering. I just think that's hugely important. So. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I also found that um, I love using Loom. I don't know if you're familiar with Loom. I yeah. am. Okay. Yes. I love that too, because sometimes for me, like typing, cause I'm like, you know, on the computer so much. So sending a video back to them to answer their questions is like super easy, Yes, you know, and then it makes it a little more personalized. So that's a lot of fun too. So it cracks me up. And I'm sure that you're at this point now, cause we started our businesses around the same time, but, um, sometimes if I'm driving, I always check my emails, whether I'm at, stopped at the Chick-fil-A getting a drink or, you know, sitting at a stoplight. And if someone asks me something and I'm driving and I know it's going to be three hours before I get back to my house, I just call them. As long as their phone number's in the signature, I call them and I'm like, hey, this is Mandy from Funny for Good, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you just called me. I'm like, I have a phone too. It's okay. And uh, it cracks me up when people are like, I can't believe you actually called me back. And I'm like, well, you know, you asked me a question. So this saves me time later. I love the calling. That's so, it's just like, it's like old school, right? Like people, I love calling too. Like I, I love to, cause it, I just feel like you get the back and forth out of the way, like with emails, the ping pong or with text messages. Cause there's so much like misinterpretation yep. and stuff. So it's just like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. Well, and for me, that's a big thing. When people ask me something that I know I'm going to answer in a way that's not going to be what they're looking for. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. That's not available anymore. <laughs> you know, or whatever. I always like to call because they will take it better coming from my voice than they will via text or email. And so I really try to make calls when I'm doing something like that, because it's really easy to get pissed off at somebody in an email or be like, she's not a nice person. I had this, I don't remember the person's name. This made me laugh so much. You'll appreciate this as a writer <clears throat> and a blogger and someone who has your own website. I um, I didn't have Grammarly on my computer for a long time. I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> And, um, I was like, I didn't have, right. And it was, um, I did all the, everything, like I typed everything. I created everything. I put everything out. I did all the blogs. I did all the newsletters and I like everything. Right. I still do all the newsletters, but I had a typo. I I used to have quite a few typos because there wasn't another person to look at my stuff and spell check didn't catch everything. I'm I'm nodding my hair up and down. Yes. I get a lot of typos. Yes. Well, I had a, I sent this email out. And 
it was, I don't even remember what I was sharing. Like, hey, please join me for this, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what it was. And there was a typo in like the first sentence, but I didn't know it, right? And there was this lady, I, I know she was from California, but I do not remember from where. And she was the editor of some significant publication that I knew I'd heard of. I can't remember if it was like the LA Times or it was some like huge publication. She was the editor. She wrote me back an email. <laughs> I gotta say, I laughed so hard when I got it. And she's like, I'm not really sure what I can learn from you if you obviously can't even spell. You have a typo in your first sentence. Oh, like super snarky, very short, clip to the point. And she sent it without like anything else. So I wrote her back, I took a deep breath, I laughed. And then I wrote her back and I was just like, hey, I was like, you know, it's possible that you might not learn anything from me. But on the other hand, it's also possible that everybody's human and I had a typo. So um, life happens. I hope you're having a great day. I understand if you unsubscribe from my list, but otherwise she misspelled the word typo in her email to me. No, it was T-H-Y-P-O, but I didn't say it to her. I didn't even bring it up. I was like, I bet she doesn't know when I just pissed her off and told her. She wrote me back that like immediately she was like, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm having a really bad day. She was like, I shouldn't have said that. I really appreciate you responding to me. And she was like, I completely understand. I was just like, oh my God, because people like take things so wrong in text and emails and whatnot. And I'm like, ah, I can be a total difficult person to deal with. I can be that person. Um, but most of the time I try to be super get along, you know, especially when I'm corresponding with people online. So I, yes. I love that story. I mean, I think that a lot of people that out there can really resonate with that. And I know I can, I've gotten emails like that too. <laughs> yes. I'm like, really person, I'm doing it all. Like, you know, I still have content. If I like, sorry, I haven't hired an editor yet. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. So, yeah, so. I am all the people behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay. So, but yeah, it's, it's, but you know, it's good sometimes. Like, oh, okay. Thanks for that catch. Like, I always like to say, oh, thanks. You know, I'm, ex- I'm like, whatever. That's great. Cause then it can help me because I don't have all the people <laughs> doing it. So. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'll send an email out to our mailing list and I'm like, how did only one person out of our entire list not like only one person saw that or only one person told me about that? It is like obviously a huge typo. And I'm like, why did nobody tell me? Oh, yeah. I, I love it when I'm on mailing lists from people and the typos in the subject line of the email. <laughs> I've done that. Totally guilty of that. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you're human. I like this. You know, it kind of. Yes. It makes them more human. Like we all make mistakes and people are still going out there. And I think what, what kind of we can learn from that is it doesn't have to be perfect, right? If you're out there, you're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, everything's not going to be squeaky clean. And, but the, getting the content, getting the relationships built, um, you know, keep believing in yourself and have a laugh about it. Like you did, you know what I mean? Like you can keep moving forward because it's not, and if you wait for it all to be perfect, you're going to miss out so much and it's never going to be perfect anyways. Right. So and the thing you can learn as a consultant, because some of you are like, I can't do it if I don't have all the answers. Right. right. So my, one of my favorite phrases is fake it till you make it yep. because sometimes you're not going to know the answers. And the thing you say as a consultant is, Hey, what? That is a great question. I'm not sure, but I'm going to get back to you by the end of the day with that answer. It disarms everybody. You didn't say making something crazy up that isn't true. And you were honest. You were like, you know, I have no idea, but I know where to find it and I will find it. And that's what one of my clients told me last year. She's like, the reason we keep hiring you year after year is not because you have all the answers all the time. It's because if you don't, you have the resources to get them. And that's why we have you. We don't have to have 12 different experts. We have you and you have the connections to get the answers. And I'm like, that's what we need to think about more as consultants is we don't have to have every single answer there is. That's why we partner right? Yeah. It's like my husband said to me just today, everybody gets the sunshine, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets it when it's out. There's enough clients for all of us. Yes. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be partnering. You're an expert at 12 things that I'm not an expert at. And we're both grant writers and vice versa. So yeah. why wouldn't we partner? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love partner that. with people. Yeah get out there, see who you can work with. I love partnering the different nonprofit groups, the different, I mean, even here on Guam, it's a very small island, right? We have about 170,000 people here and there's still over a thousand nonprofits registered, right? There's still plenty of clients. There's 
part, there's a handful of grant writers, you know what I mean, that are out there doing it as their own business. Of course, there's grant writers in the nonprofits too, but um, there's still enough work, right, and how we can partner together. And, and I love doing that because then it makes it bigger, there creates more energy. So, or I'll be like, um, I'll get a partner, you know, a client will ask me to do this. And I'm like, you, well, I haven't done that before, but let's do it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I remember I got hired to um, bring the, uh, to do like a celebrity gala here. And it was to bring Vanessa Williams out, um, you know, the former um, pop star. So she's awesome. She's such a nice person. But, and I had never done that before. I didn't do that, but I was like, I will find the resources and partner with the yes. right people to do it. Yep. And it got done. And it, you know, it, it, it <clears throat> really well they raised a lot of money on um, you know the the foundation did so it was really interesting to see like even if you don't know how to do something you can definitely partner with other people you can refer it to other organizations and create relationships in that way too right yes. or come under your business so there's different ways to go about it than just to say no I can't do that right so who knew like if you maybe you've never done a fundraiser before you're only doing grant writing but maybe if you do a fundraiser you'll say I actually like doing this too and it's an additional service that I can now offer for money during you know yes. maybe drier seasons of grant season right but there's never really a dry season too much but you know, you know what I mean so it's like um, yes. that could be another thing if you partner or you say yes if you give it a go so yeah, I think staying in your lane sometimes is sort of sometimes overused, although it can be handy. What are your what are your thoughts on that? For me, I use it to my benefit when I want to, because if there's work I don't want to do, I can just say, you know what, that's not really our thing, but I can tell you who to yeah. go to, or I can give you a reference, or I can whatever. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, okay, I really want to work on, with this client on X, Y, and Z, and they also want this thing. We can figure that out because I really want to do these other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we will put all of that together. That's that, honestly that's how we got into strategic planning. Yeah, we've been doing it now for years and years. But when we first started, we're like, uh, we've never done that before. Yeah. And then we got trained, and then we got trained again, and then we learned another new method. And we started working with people like six years ago on it, and then we decided we really liked it. Yeah. And then we realize it's really the basis for the work we do with everything else we do. So we're like, I think this is going to be our thing. So for the past couple of years, it has been right, but it sure didn't start that way. So if you'd asked me about strategic planning, when I was starting my business in 2009, I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Because Yeah. That's something, um, even <clears throat> nonprofit, like just funding readiness, right? Because I was like, yeah, I started out a grant writer. I can write grants, grant, grant, grants. And then it was like all these people that kept coming to me that weren't ready for grants or needed board training or needed yes. other things, right? So it's kind of like that keeps coming to the table. So instead of saying no, I'm going to learn how to do it because I believe overall, like you said, in the sustainability of the nonprofit at large. So yes. it's more than just grants, right? So, and you can, I mean, you can stay in your lane, all of those things, but it is interesting just to see what people keep coming to you for. And if that is something that's reoccurring, then maybe it's something that you should kind of dig up and figure out, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're not paying you for to be an expert at it right away. But like you said, if you can take off from their brain of thinking about it, that loomy monster of needing it to get done, but not knowing how to do it, and you take your time to learn how to do it and then bring it to the table, that's worth value, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So I've loved this conversation before we close out though, I do. So we've really talked about like looking at nonprofits or sorry, grant writers and, and consultants and really figuring out where's that mindset. So I know you talked a lot about like mindset in the beginning, maybe overcoming like the belief that everything needs to be free. Right. So really being able to put yourself in a position that it's actually might be work out to your advantage to start charging or it will um, for many things. And then really kind of looking at the progression of hourly versus project, how that might affect your business, um, even figuring out how to charge, like what that amount might be, because it is different for everyone, right? Based on what their lifestyle is, where they're located, all of the things. Um, and then, you know, you know, kind of looking at what is the progression and how can you diversify your services potentially to take on, you know, more, more money or more revenue coming into your business, et cetera. So is there anything else that you really want to touch on that you kind of see as reoccurring um, a challenge that nonprofit consultants or grant writing consultants have? Um. The, this is really for, for nonprofits, as well as the consultants that work with them, accepting and understanding and retraining ourselves to, to know that nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. 
is very important and really understanding that you can make money and mm-hmm. you should be making money and you shouldn't have a balanced budget because that's a super old concept. And, um, you know, that's what we want for all of our clients is for, for you to be sustainable. And in order to do that, you have to bring, bring in dollars above and beyond what you're spending every year. It's very important for you to understand that as a nonprofit. And if you're not doing it as a consultant either, you're also not making any money. So you have to have a sustainability plan, which means you are making money every year, right? So what does that look like for you? And in order to answer that, you first have to say, how much do you have to have to live? Mm -hmm. How much do you have to have to provide for your family? And then how much can you make reasonably? And that's where you start with your business plan. So as a consultant, think through those things. And when you can answer those, then you can start working backwards and saying, what services am I going to provide? How much am I going to charge? And how many of those do I need to offer monthly, quarterly, yearly? to be successful. I love that. I love that working backward model. I remember I started with that a, a few years ago, just, I was thinking, cause I was always thinking of these goals, right? I'm always like <laughs> forward linear. And then I was like thinking, no, I need to think of it backward, but not just thinking of what, like you said, not the balanced budget, not where I'm going to zero out every month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. Like, it's not just like, okay, my rent, my daughter's tuition, da, 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 the food, the groceries, the gas, and then what needs to that dollar and then zero. No, you have to go above it. Like when I actually read uh, Profit First, I don't know if you've read that book. My- I might have it right here. Maybe, maybe, I'm not sure. But yeah, he, his whole thing was you pay yourself in profit first. Right. So it was putting that just like you would put your money aside for your taxes right away as a consultant, you put it aside for your, your profit. And I was like, oh, and that kind of, it will totally change my business model to say working backward, but include the profit, right. Include those different elements. And then it makes it a sustainable business. Cause I'm not zeroing out every year or I'm not right. like ooh, freaking out. Right. So it was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. So I think that's really helpful when people don't know where to start. I love that, that, um, you know, just kind of that information that you're giving because people just kind of think, oh, I should 50,000. I don't know. Like, you know, exactly. Like, yes. I don't know how much I want to make. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that gives it a really clear point. Awesome. So you definitely have more information on your website. Once again, fundingforgood.org. Um, and you can definitely check that out. You guys, um, great website, so much information and, um, you know, just follow off. Oh, you're on uh, LinkedIn. Like you said, you're very much on there. So is there anywhere else that they can find you or YouTube funding for goods on YouTube, free channel, lots of playlists. Nice. And we'll have all of the links in the show notes. So um, definitely check it out. Um, and we will um, have you back on the podcast hopefully soon. So it was really, really Yay. having you on, Mandy. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in today to today's podcast on grant writing and funding. We featured Mandy Pierce of fundingforgood.org. I'm so glad you tuned in today. And once again, please do join us at our free webinar so you can learn about nonprofit wellness. Once again, that's on January 12th, and you can definitely register at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 200. And you'll see all of today's show notes again for Mandy, how you can contact her, reach out to her. And of course, check out her amazing website, fundingsforgood.org. All right, guys, I'll see you next time.